something called a chest pass, right? And I used to get them in the face. <laughs> I just wanted to know that she respects the game of netball. What even is netball? Harrison, you are a freak! This is the sport evolving at its very best. Unbelievable. <laughs> Can you believe it? New Zealand have won the World Cup. No Kiwi. Welcome to former Southern Steel captain Wendy Fru. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Joining us now is ANZ umpire Gareth Fowler. Kia ora. Kia Bridget. Thanks for the opportunity to come and uh, meet with you and Wendy today. No worries. You're also an international umpire. Went to Liverpool last year. What was it like umpiring at the World Cup? Oh, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, the atmosphere was um, out of this world. Um, it was particularly prevalent um, when the African nations were playing, and specifically Zimbabwe. The, the, the stadium there, the MS Bank Arena in Liverpool, just went off. Um, I mean, it was um, an absolute honour and a privilege to be out there umpiring the best players in the world. Um, there were obviously some really intense matches. Um, and, I mean, I had the benefit as well as ha of having front row seats for the uh, semi-final and final involving the Silver Ferns. So it was a pretty um, incredible experience. Gareth, how did you get into umpiring? Did you play yourself? Yeah, well, back in the day, I was a player. I used to play um, men's netball for Wellington, and mm -hmm. um, I uh, played at a number of uh, national tournaments. It came relatively evident to me from my early 20s that I was an OK player, but I wasn't great. And, you know, one of the um, our current national umpire squad coaches and a former uh, international umpire, David Palaamo, um, who was the coach of New Zealand men's team at the Cadbury mm. Series, um, he, you know, gave me a good shunt in the direction of, um, of umpiring. Um, <laughs> I think it was something pretty direct, like, you know, you'd be a better umpire than you would be a player. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that, yeah, kind of got me on that pathway and, um, you know, going through the accreditation system and then joining the Nipple New Zealand High Performance System in about 2010. Wendy, what was your relationship with umpires like over the years? We, do you get to know them over time? Uh, hopefully, Gareth thinks <laughs> I was pretty respectful to him. <laughs> uh, um, was very respectful, I have to admit. Um, yeah, you do. Over time, as you um, become um, more accustomed to um, umpiring in the ANC Premiership and before that, the Championship, you, you get to know each other. You know, you go in. Uh, to the changing rooms before the games to do the team check and have a bit of a chat, um, say hello and how's it going, all of that kind of stuff. And you become pretty familiar. And, um, you know, I think that's really, really important that we as umpires have really good um, rapport with the athletes because, you know, we're all part of um, the um, awesome game that is netball and we all contribute to it. So I think it's really, really important that, you know, you have that rapport. You can say hello and, and then when things um, happen on the court, you leave them on the court and you can move on. I totally agree there. Um, I, th I know for me being captain, I thought it was really important to have a good relationship with the umpires. Um, on the court, you know, there's the odd heat heated thing that happens or you might call a held ball, which, you know, we're not supposed to do as players. But for me, um, yeah, I try to have a good relationship and 
sometimes after a game, is there anything my team can work on moving forward? Or I noticed, um, you know, a goalie got pulled heaps. Where does she need to tidy up? I think it's really cool if you can um, have, you know, have those good relationships, make sure it's professional. And at the end of the day, it's trying to make the game a better spectacle and, and flow better. So, um, yeah, people like Gareth, um, when I was involved, was extremely professional and quite open, which is really cool these days. With the hell ball thing, there's something I've noticed um, recently is, is some of the players are sh- actually shouting out quite loudly, howled, you know, like they're anticipating the umpire's call and you're hearing them shout it out. Are they allowed to do that? Um, there, there becomes a bit of a, um, a line that um, gets very close to being crossed at times because, you know, you could argue if you're the team in possession that they, um, those types of comments are being are intimidation, uh, which would be, um, you know, covered under the rules. And then from an umpire's perspective, you could potentially interpret that as being potentially disputing the umpire. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it's a high-pressure professional environment where people are, you know, needing to win. And, um, and that's really important. So, you know, you, as an umpire, you become accustomed to a level of gamesmanship. Yeah. Um, and... Um, you know, and there is obviously, you know, intent behind that from, you know, uh, the team's point of view in terms of wanting to win um, games and, you know, having that passion and drive for, for netball. And, you know, we understand that. We, we have to kind of judge on a case-by-case basis where, you know, that the line has been crossed. And, you know, we've seen some uh, times this year through the ANZ Premiership where, um, you know, players have come into that intimidation situation, you know, calling help when they're standing right in front of the person shooting the ball. That's when it's very clear that that's um, intimidation. Mm. And I just wanted to ask you about a few rule tweaks that came in this year. And I think one which is actually quite major is the short pass rule. For As long yeah. as I can remember, it was always there had to be enough room for a third player to get between the pass. But now it's just an arm. Can you clarify that for us? I certainly can, uh, Bridget, and, um, you know, I have to admit it's not my most favourite rule. I have to. <laughs> um, and so the, the, the wording of the rule is that there needs to be enough um, room on court for a, a player to be able to inter- intercept the ball with a hand mm. as it moves from the ha- hands of the thrower to those of the receiver. Um, so it's become very specific, which has really limited the distance because, you know, we've got some incredibly skilled athletes out there who can, um, you know, have massive closing speed. They can get into a short distance quickly and cleanly and, and get the ball. And, yeah, it, just make, it does make it really tough, I have to admit, for the defence because, mm. you know, good, good attacks are um, utilising it, it, it well. And I think what we'll find with, rules like the short pass rule is that um, the rules advisory panel who is an international panel who basically are the custodians of the rules um, they do regularly uh, provide uh, interpretation updates um, of various rules and they also um, review the rule book itself um, every four years normally through the World Cup cycle um, and this over the past four years so going back from 2016 we had a new rule book we also got one again in 2018 and then a new one following the World Cup last year. So, mm. you know, these things are regularly updated. Um, the, the 2016 rule book, for example, um, was a, a massive step change from the previous probably 16 or so years of uh, iterations of rule books. So, 
yeah, they, there are constant tweaks that go on because at the end of the day, we all want what's right for the game. Mm. Yeah, I keep buying new new rule books each year, and then I don't get around to reading them, and then there are and then there's a new one that replaces it anyway. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are many people around the country, many umpires, budding umpires at, at the local <laughs> centres who have uh, had the same problem for sure. Yeah, I mean, when a new rule comes in, there's usually some theory theory behind it, like for less whistle, for example. Do you know was there a reasoning behind the short the new short pass rule? I, my understanding is that the um, this was brought in because of the increased skill and tenacity of, of defenders mm. um, to get what tr- traditionally has been thought as difficult, well, impossible to get ball. So um, that's my understanding. However, you know, um, I, I couldn't categorically state that, I'm afraid. Mm. Yeah, Wendy, as a as a wing defender, yeah, I mean that just makes it a bit more hard, a bit more difficult, doesn't it? Yeah, obviously I've been a player for so long and I've never been allowed to comment about this stuff, so it feels a bit um, nerve wracking me doing so. But to me, the the way I see that rules, you're pretty much never going to get called for a short pass unless you physically hand your team um, the ball. The way you know the wording is of the new rule, and I personally aren't a fan of it. Um, I think it's a massive advantage for the for the attacking side, or you know whoever's got in possession of the ball. And yeah, you don't you can kind of see a lot of um, even on the circle edge when you have a wing attack feeding your goal attack nice and tight on the circle edge. You used to get the odd short pass there, but now you can pretty much just drop it in front of them. So yeah, I'm not a not too much of a fan of it. Mm. So Gareth, that extends to when you get a shooter um, doing a throw in from the baseline and they use the post to get themselves in. So does that mean that that can be a lot shorter now? So um, I think going back a number of years, um, there was no kind of short pass regulation at all to playing the ball off the post. So you could stand next to the post and just like Batted off as long as you didn't have contact with the ball as it hit the goalpost, mm. you, you could sit there and do that for the whole game, which wouldn't have been very nice. Um, so there is still a short pass that rule that does apply to throwing the ball off the post. I think that the, um, there still needs to be the ability for a, an offender on court to be able to um, intercept that ball, so get a hand to it. I think that the big part about um, throwing the ball off the post is that at a throw-in is that uh, the player who's thrown it in needs to return to the court before they can pick the ball up. And we've noticed that there has been um, an increased prevalence of the use of the post at throw-ins this year. I've certainly noticed it. I know a few of you guys have. Absolutely, yeah. As a result of this this change, yeah. Interesting. Gareth, the other one I wanted to clarify, the lift or the hoist. With the goaltending rule... The way that Anna Harrison did the lift back in the day when she first brought it to the game, would that be legal now under the new goaltending rules? It would be illegal. Yeah, so that um, a player defending a shot can um, only kind of tip the ball or catch the ball on its upward flight. So once it's gone past its arc or highest point, then it becomes a no-go zone. Very, it's basically converting the same rules we have in basketball. It must be on the up, uh, upward flight. And I know that, you know, um, Anna did modify what she did. And, and we've seen um, people then copy what um, Anna has done, you know, trying to get a really good jump over the shot to try and deflect it. And uh, we're seeing some 
I think some really good outcomes from that. We've had some block shots from it, and we've also seen um, held balls emanating from it too. Yeah, I mean the the defenders now they're really trying to attack the ball at the at the release, aren't they? Yeah, they absolutely are. Yeah. Gareth, I guess just as the Silver Ferns are wondering when their next international might be, COVID has also affected the international umpires as well around travel restrictions. Do you have a pretty tight network where the international um, umpires are kept up to date with this stuff? Yeah, so um, the international netball umpires are looked after by the International Netball Federation, and we have an international umpire manager based in the UK um, who keeps us updated with what's going on with the um, INF's discussions around... Uh, COVID-19, um, and you probably are aware recently the INF um, released a, a new policy for the appointment of umpires, um, basically an interim policy until uh, we work our way through the pandemic, uh, which will allow um, for the appointment of uh, non-neutral umpires I think that might be music to the ears for some netball fans who actually have wanted to see that happen. Wendy, do you have any strong opinions on neutral umpires or, or the um, the opposite where it should just be the best umpires in the world controlling the game? Yeah, I can see why, um, you know, they have the whole uh, New Zealand account um, by the friends. But, yeah, for me, it should be the best umpires in the world. I think umpires are professional enough not to let, um, you know, if, they, if they're refing the team, the country they play for, they're professional enough to ref it as they see it and, and not be biased. But, um yeah, I can see why there's a, always a conversation around it. But at the end of the day, you've got the two best teams playing in the final and you should have the two best umpires because you know they're going to control the game the best and and um, that's what you want in those big games. Mm. If you were to ref a New Zealand uh, a Silver Ferns Diamonds game, would that make you feel a little bit nervous? Well, most games make me feel nervous, Bridget. Look, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... You know, there would be pressure, and I think, you know, like in any sport, there is politics, and um, I think that that would be, it would be an absolute honour to, to be appointed mm. to such a game. I, you, you would feel that added kind of burden. However, you know, we regularly are um, kind of umpiring the, you know, Silver Ferns at trial or practice matches, and last year we did it, the Cadbury Series, uh, which was obviously a non-INF sanctioned event. So, you know, um, I, I think it, it would be exciting to go before, but, you know, you do kind of think, oh, God, what if you um, <laughs> make a decision yeah. that could be then seen to be biased or for want of a better term? And, you know, I think we're all familiar um, way back, I believe it was uh, 1998 or thereabouts, where things started to change in the appointment of um, neutral umpires to games. And, mm. you know, that we've heard horror stories about what things used to be like. Mm. I, th I think for that, you know, like in any big game, there's going to be pressure calls and pressure situations. And I guess the, the only down for that is if an umpire made a mistake at a crucial time, as we do as players and umpires do then if they were from that country there'd be a lot of back, black backlash, which wouldn't be ideal. But um, I've always been a big believer as a player, you make a lot of errors in the game and the umpire's going to make the odd one too, but you just hate if decided a World Cup match and, you know, it came back and um, someone was at the end of the stick for it, which shouldn't happen, but you can see it happening these days with sports and passionate fans and all that and the media. 
think it's a really good point, um, Wendy, because like, like you say, you know, um, umpires do make errors and we're trying our, um, you know, darndest to, to be in the right place at the right time and see the right thing because um, we're trying to pick up as many players as we can and also prioritise the right decision to make because sometimes there could be three or four things happening at once and you, we, we try really hard as a group to, to work together um, mm -hmm. and you will have seen... Um, a number of occasions in this year's um, ANZ Premiership where there have been um, formal appeals between umpires and um, often we don't see the, um, the subtle communication between each other to try and get things right. Um, and, you know, we are trying to get a really balance, uh, a really good balance out there around, you know, what's best for the game. Do we um, want to penalise something quickly to allow a penalty be, to be taken quickly or... Is it better to play advantage on an infringement or what is actually interfering? So what do we actually need to call? So, you know, we're constantly learning and constantly evolving um, as a national umpire squad to, to make sure that we're adding as much value as possible to the game. Mm. Yeah, I, I personally think umpiring's a, a huge job. It's hard, like, geez, none oh, of us yeah. players would be able to go do it the way our umpires no. do in New Zealand. And I think the talent we've got in New Zealand with umpires is remarkable, and it's credit to people like Gareth who, you know, do the hard yards behind the scene to get out there and perform, be fit enough to last the game and get in the right positions. Unfortunately, the penultimate weekend of the ANZ Premiership could be affected by COVID-19. Uh, we've got the Auckland Derby between the Mystics and Stars, on Friday, that's likely to be called off. Mystics are also scheduled to host the uh, Waikato Bay Plenty Magic on Saturday. We'll have to wait and see. Wendy, I guess we're lucky that the grand finals have already been confirmed, the tactics and the pulse, 23 August in Invercargill. Uh, fingers crossed that won't be affected. How pleased are you that the tactics have made that grand final? Obviously pretty exciting for the tactics. They haven't played in a final, and I think it's really been rewarding for the season they had. They recruited really well in the off-season. Um, obviously got a few good signings, one being Tapia Selby Rickett, um, big signing for them, and she's really stepped up in those red and black colours. So I think um, Mystics are a little unlucky to to not be there, but tactics um, certainly put their hand up and, and getting the win on pulse um, the weekend obviously cemented their spot. So pretty exciting for them as a franchise. That game between the Pulse and Tactics did feel a bit flat, but I guess it was the second game of the weekend for both sides. A kind of a dress rehearsal for the grand final, but um, not a result we can read too much into, given the Pulse were without Emilia Anikinasio and Maddie Gordon. Yeah, I don't think you can read too much into that game at all. Obviously, you know, the Tactics got the win on the paper and got the points on the board, but with those two players out, um, they're a big part in the Pulse lineup and... Obviously, it gave the Pulse a chance to play the younger players and stuff, but you could tell they weren't at full strength and um, the combos on the court weren't as strong as when they've got um, those two girls back. So, definitely, I don't think the Pulse will be too um, stressed out about it leading into the final. I think for them, they know they weren't at full strength and um, just giving players an opportunity to, to get there. And I imagine in the tactics environment, they would be well aware that the Pulse weren't full strength and they're going to come out 
a lot harder than they did um, come finals day. So I think both teams at this level, they're both smart enough to you know what know what happened in that game and it certainly won't be the same feel um, for the final. Yeah. Do you think it's really helped the tactics to see that they've um, sort of really developed a consistent lineup? I think that's um, yeah, been very beneficial for them. A lot of teams, um, e.g. the Mystics, you know, they've been making lots of subs and I just think it's unsettling at times. When you've got a, you know, a seven or eight strong lineup, I think it's important to get those combinations really settled and, and ensure that the players, you know, in that pressure situation, they've done that centre pass with that player 10 times that season, 10, 10 games that season, they know where that player's going to go. They know what they're going to do under pressure. They know what to say to them. So I think that's really helped the tactics this season, playing a similar lineup most games, not making lots of changes and just growing that combination. Mm. And the Mystics, um, again, showed a bit of inconsistency this weekend, having beaten the previous round, then going down to Invercargill, getting beaten by the Steel. Couldn't quite do it against the Tactics on Sunday. But they are a better side um, than last year, aren't they? Oh, yeah, Mystics have come a long way. And, you know, they had a couple of key players out, um, Michaela and, and Bailey, but they really have stepped up the season and probably when those two players were out, perhaps weren't expected to do as well as they have. But you can just tell they've got a good mix of youth and experience. And I think Phoenix has really stepped up in that leadership role, backed up nicely by Sulu in the back there. But, um, yeah, they'll be disappointed that they, you know, didn't have the opportunity to play in the final and lost to the tactics. But, yeah, they didn't bring it um, both games in the weekend. They they didn't play as well as they have been and, and maybe just yeah, lacked a bit of inconsist- uh, consistency throughout the season. If they retain the bulk of their squad and the likes of Savi Tui having a season under her belt, Bailey Mears back in the mix, Grace Wiki, she's already amazing and will only get better. And she could be in the side in the Mystics for several years to come. Do you think that the Mystics could become kind of a dynasty um, over the next few years? Yeah, I think they certainly can if they... Um you know, go about their business right, keep the right players they need to, get the right players in the mould and, and make sure they're really trying to develop in that off-season and, and maybe work on that consistency and trying to cement that kind of seven, eight-player starting lineup. Um, I think it'll be really important, obviously, getting Bailey back. Um, Bailey and Grace will be a huge combination in there. And, yeah, the likes of Phoenix and Silla, if they can retain them, then I think it'll be really good moving forward. They, they showed a lot of promise this year. Um, as I said, probably just lacked a little bit of consistency and that comes with experience from some of those younger players also. The Steel have obviously been knocked hard by injury, um, losing two-thirds of their shooting end to ACLs. Kalita McCollin, though, um, for the Steel, she's been great, hasn't she? Yeah, she's really stepped up, I think, um, towards the start of the season, just finding her feet in a new country and a new team and a new environment. Um, a little slow of the blocks, but the last few weeks she's been outstanding for the steel. She's been her accuracy's been really, really great the whole time, but just the connections have grown and you can just see a bit more fire in her belly the last few weeks. So I've really enjoyed watching her develop and um brings a completely different game than any goal attack in the league. So yeah, really cool to see her playing for steel and and yeah, every week I think she's got better and better. Gina Crampton and Shannon Saunders in the midcourt. It's like they have an invisible string be- between them. They just never get on top of each other. And you've played with them, obviously. They work so well in tandem, don't they? Yeah, they certainly do. I mean, they've been playing together for a long time 
time and they've been playing the game of netball for a long time. So they're remarkable um, athletes. They've played so many games together. That combination is just so tight. They know where one wants to go and where the other one wants to go. They complement each other really well on the court. And I think, um, yeah, it's a combination that's just grown. And, and it's certainly, you know, a lot of hard work's gone into that. I've obviously played with them and um, it's not just turning up to training and training. There's a lot of conversations, a lot of video analysts and, um, yeah, certainly, I, I personally think it's the best combo in the mo- at the moment in the league. How sort of heartwarming was it to finally get some home games down at Invercargill last weekend? Yeah, the crowd loved it. They um, they got the girls up on against the Mystics and got them a good win. Um, they're very loyal and passionate fans down in, in the south, so really cool um, energy around the stadium, and you could just see people buzzing, and obviously the girls stepped up from being at home too, so I think it's been great that, you know, the centres have been able to have their teams back at home and um, just that feeling of no travel and just being in your company, your home home stadium, playing in front of your family and friends, really important. And, um, yeah, obviously it set the girls up nicely for that. The win on the Friday, unfortunately, they couldn't back it up against the Sharp Pulse side who thoroughly deserved the win on the Saturday. Just with the grand finalist Pulse tactics, both have strong goal attacks. Uh, has this season maybe highlighted just how important it is to have not too much reliance on the goal shoot? Yeah, I think in any team, if you can have, you know, a goal attack who's shooting, um, you know, around that 20-odd a game, it really helps take the load off the goal shoots. Um, I think Tapai's had a remarkable season and she's really grown in that position with those, the tactics mid-quarter, mid-courts around her and she feeds Ellie Bird outstanding. So really strong, you know, performance for her and Amelia Rain obviously is another really experienced shooter. So I think um, when you have a, a goal attack who's putting up a good volume amount, a good volume of shots a game, it certainly takes the heat off the goal shoot and, and also makes the goal defence not drop back too much on that goal shoot, which you see if you're playing a team who has a really dominant shooter who takes a very big percentage of the shots like the the um, Mystics with Grace in the back there. So, yeah, pretty cool. It's going to be um, certainly, uh, certainly a good game in the final. And as I said, both goal attacks have been in excellent form. So it'll be interesting to see who brings it on the big stage. Oh, 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 oh,